Hi, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the July 23rd episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. So today we'll be looking at numbers 1621 through 1624 of the Catechism. 2. The Celebration of Marriage, 1621. In the Latin Church, the celebration of marriage between two Catholic faithful normally takes place during Holy Mass because of the connection of all the sacraments with the Paschal Mystery of Christ. In the Eucharist, the memorial of the New Covenant is realised, the New Covenant in which Christ himself has united himself forever to the Church, his beloved Bride for whom he gave himself up. It is therefore fitting that the spouses should seal their consent to give themselves to each other through the offering of their own lives by uniting it to the offering of Christ for his Church made present in the Eucharistic sacrifice and by receiving the Eucharist so that communicating the same body and the same blood of Christ, they may form but one body in Christ. 1622. Inasmuch as it is a sacramental action, the sanctification, the liturgical celebration of marriage, must be per se valid, worthy and fruitful. It is therefore appropriate for the bride and groom to prepare themselves for the celebration of their marriage by receiving the sacrament of penance. 1623. According to the Latin tradition, the spouses as ministers of Christ's grace mutually confer upon each other the sacrament of matrimony by expressing their consent before the Church. In the traditions of the Eastern Churches, the priests, bishops or presbyters are witnesses to the mutual consent of the spouses, but for the validity of the sacrament, their blessing is also necessary. 1624. The various liturgies abound in prayers of blessing and epiclesis, asking God's grace and blessing on the new couple, especially the bride. In the epiclesis of the sacrament, the spouses receive the Holy Spirit as the communion of love of Christ and of the Church. The Holy Spirit is the seal of this covenant, the ever-available source of their love and the strength to renew their fidelity. Okay, looking at the the celebration of marriage which is um, the, the, the sacramental rite as we know it, um, that is, uh, again, can be very beautiful liturgies. Unfortunately, when they're celebrated without faith, they can be very, um, very difficult liturgies. That the marriage of two practicing Catholics can be beautiful, but unfortunately, when people who aren't really practicing the faith decide to get married in the Catholic Church, it can nearly become a pantomime. Yes, yes, technically it is still a sacrament, but in order for it to be a beautiful celebration, liturgical celebration, really it needs conversion. That's why it says that the bride and the groom should go to confession beforehand to be prepared for this. But it's, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a fantastic celebration that is uh, a beautiful sacrament that the Christian community is invited to really to celebrate. Because it's a triumph. Every time somebody gets married today, every time that a couple decide that they want to live the sacrament of holy matrimony, that they want to live the sacrament of marriage, this is a triumph because the world is saying something else. The world is saying that happiness comes from having uh, a gazillion sexual partners, of sleeping with a chimpanzee. That's happiness for the world today. And yet... For us in the church, marriage is happiness.
Marriage is what people, most people are called to and is something fantastic that is given in this liturgical celebration. Again, we don't know why Christ decided to do it, but he decided to give us the sacraments in the liturgy. In these different liturgies, the sacraments are present. And uh, here again, it speaks about um, the difference between Eastern and Western. This is actually one of the areas of theology that perhaps hasn't been fully settled. What makes marriage? In the West, we are very certain, and we say that marriage is comes from the consent of two baptised persons. That when a baptised man and a baptised woman express their consent to marriage, which is to have um, an exclusive, perpetual relationship with each other that is open to life, this is what marriage is. And the priest, in a sense, is the one who is witnessing this exchange of consent. But we say even that the that the that the bride and the groom are the ministers of the sacrament. The priest is just a witness. Those who are kind of doing the sacrament are the bride and the groom by giving themselves to each other. In the Eastern Church, on the other hand, they say that yes, this exchange of consent is very important. But that what is the, 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 the fundamental part of marriage, the non-negotiable part of marriage, is the blessing of the priest, which again comes from, uh, we can see in Tobit in the, in the Old Testament, the blessing of the father, the blessing that's given in the marriage. And in the practices of the, of the early church, the blessing is very important. And indeed in the Western church, this blessing is very important, this nuptial blessing. This nuptial blessing in the in the wedding, which is prayed straight after the Eucharistic prayer, that uh, traditionally centres on the bride. Some of the newer forms also give a bit more uh, space to the groom, but it was a prayer that was nearly exclusively for the bride. That this was uh, this blessing was seen as being uh, non-negotiable also in the West. But in the West, as I said, that we saw that the the exchange of consent was the important thing. Whereas in the East, they emphasise the um, the blessing of the priest. But, and again, both places have both of them. But it's what is the important, what is the, the most important of them. There's a bit of disagreement there. And the church honestly hasn't settled this. That, you know, we've only been at this 2,000 years. Theology will take another few thousand years to to iron out all the wrinkles if we're ever able to. But uh, this is one of the areas that hasn't been fully um, decided yet. Um but anyway, so this is the, um, the, 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 what the celebration of marriage is about. And in the end, I think the last line of it, though, is very important. The Holy Spirit is the seal of, this, of their covenant, their ever-available source of their love and the strength to renew their fidelity. That marriage is not about human love, because human love ends. You can be madly in love with somebody, and then you can hate their guts very shortly after. And so for Christian marriage, the source of the love, the source of the renewal of this covenant, the renewal of this fidelity, even if there has been a betrayal, is the Holy Spirit. It is not the goodwill of the spouses. Marriage doesn't work because you've got two lovely people. That's not the source of marriage. The strength of marriage is not that you've got two strong people, two virtuous people, two heroes. 
Or even worse, sometimes people think that one party is going to do everything. No. Marriage comes from the Holy Spirit who helps the two, the bride and the groom, helps the husband and the wife to do the impossible, which is to love, even when the other is your enemy to love. And this is a gift of the Holy Spirit, not a human effort. Again, we come back to this, that Christianity is the Holy Spirit helps us. It's not about us trying with our fists to be good, trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's not this. It's the Holy Spirit who is given in a special way in the sacrament of matrimony to renew it every day, to make it present. So again, we trust in the Lord who can do the impossible also in marriage, who can bring people together who couldn't be together, who can recreate a love that has been lost, who can recreate a tenderness that has been lost. So we continue tomorrow and tomorrow we look at numbers 1625 through 1632. God bless.